0: Hello, this is James, just dropping by to tell you all that we've booked in a couple of Desert Island Dick's live shows. Uh, There's one on the 10th of December in King's Cross at 2 North Down with the brilliant Tom Allen. And I believe tickets are selling really fast, but there's a few tickets left on the website if you get on there quickly. Other than that, I'm going to be at the Podcast Social Club in Thirsk in North Yorkshire on the 23rd of November. Guest TBC. It's going to be good. Get on there and get your tickets now. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm James Deacon, and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is journalist, writer, but you'll probably recognise his voice as podcaster on the Top Flight Time Machine, Sam Delaney. Hello. Did I get all the things in there? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Enough a, of the a stuff. sufficient yeah. amount to paint a picture, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you find it difficult to uh, decide who you're going to talk about today?
1: A little bit because obviously, as I'm sure you get a lot, you know, I'm slightly concerned about, you know, upsetting people, Mm. labeling. I tend to like regard people as dicks, like sometimes quite. Quietly inside, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll silently judge. Yeah, although, yeah. although a lot of people know me, say I'm quite a loud person and yeah. I speak my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who I who I consider to be dicks that I won't talk about being dicks. I'll smile to their face. Is what it, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. They okay. No, I think we all do that. Yeah, don't we. And I'll also, me- if it's anyone famous, I haven't named anyone famous, and the reason for that, yeah, it's partly because I think hating on famous people is wrong. Yeah, because you don't fucking know them. No, yeah, You yeah. only you're hating yeah. on some some superficial rendition of them. But the other thing is, is that you might encounter them. I've encountered lots of people who I bad mouthed when I was younger and and less diplomatic. And then when you come across them, it can be problematic. Okay. I just think safer. Yeah. You'll see from my choices, most of them, Uh, mean that I will be legally safe as far as I can be.
0: I think you've made me worried for my future. (laughs) Because I'm on every episode of this. Just condoning all of these people.
1: Well, yeah, but you're the host, so you could always use that as your... You go, well, yeah, you know, I'm oiling the wheels of conversation. I don't... It's it's, These other... My guests who are the bastards. And then in court, that's what I'll play on. Yeah, exactly. Um, So who's going to be your first choice? Okay, so my first choice is a... A man that I will call... Shall I give him his real name? No, I'm not going to. All right, For okay. the reasons you say. Yeah. He said, Do you mind if I just change the name a little no, bit? No, no, we just want to hear the story. There's a te- there was a teacher at my school, and I'm going to call him Mr. Kendall, which is very close to his actual name. <laughs> right. And he was a PE teacher, which is a cliche, I'm sure. You, you must have had people named PE teachers before, Yeah, yeah. Right? No one likes PE teachers. They're often aggressive. Not all of them, but there's always one who's aggressive and overbearing and, mm. and is very bad for you and your self-esteem. And there's a couple of stories that I can illustrate uh, yeah. you know about Mr. Kendall. Yeah, and yeah. How he had a long-lasting effect on my psyche. Wow. Okay. And cast a shadow over my time at school. Right. In the fifth year at my school, I went to a normal comprehensive school in southwest London, and it was fine. It was in like the the mid to late 80s and in the final year about 1990 uh in the fifth year you were allowed as a privilege because you're in the fifth year to choose whatever PE you did right like, you could choose from like a number of sports so me and almost obviously chose football right and you could also wear whatever you wanted for PE within reason really? you didn't have to wear school PE kit yeah. if you were a fifth year yeah. And what made it even better was P was on a Friday afternoon. It was the last oh, lesson of the week. It was dreamland, n- mate. Nice. So you got to Friday afternoon, you could put on your own stuff, so you could wear club colours yeah. if you wanted, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And uh, it was great. But this was 1990, and it was the era of what people called Manchester. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. despite the fact that we lived in like a sort of fairly suburban part of southwest London, Me and a few of my mates, quite a lot of people, teenagers at that time, went around wearing, dressing a bit like the Happy Mondays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: bucket hat, bucket hat,
1: all the time. Very baggy was the word, right? And I turned up for PE because I sort of thought of it on a Friday. As not just an opportunity to play football, but also as an opportunity to showcase my personal style. Nice, nice, yeah. So I wasn't thinking in practical terms. And I turned out and I remember really well what I was wearing. I had the kind of quite long bowl head haircut, nice. right? And I wore a pair of basically like skateboarding shorts. So I wasn't a skateboarder, mm. never was, never, never have been, never will be. But they were skateboarding style shorts. They were to the knee, yeah. And they—I remember even the brand. They were a brand called Crush, and they had a little (laughs) logo on them. And I thought it was really cool. And then I had like a white granddad top, which was very sort of Manchester style. You know, it was like round neck with three buttons. Nice. And it was very baggy. It was like a couple of sizes too big. Yeah, yeah. And then for shoes, this was the real killer, right? The shoes weren't fucking anything remotely (laughs) intended with football in designed with football in mind, right? They were a pair of Converse, but trainers, not Converse like we know today. Oh, yeah. Converse used to make trainers that were like, they were big trainers like Nike Ayers, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but they did then. And they were quite flashy, and I was really proud of them. I'd got them for my birthday, as a matter of fact, and I thought, fucking wearing those. Because, and here's the key factor, that, is that we had a big all weather pitch at school, and, on, and there was two pitches side by side and on one we would be playing football but i knew that on the other next to it the girls would be playing netball nice and it knew all of my girl mates and stuff and of course when you're 15 you fancy all of your girl mates Absolutely. They're your mates. Oh, you're my mate, but you really want to get off with all of them, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they're all my mates, but I wanted them to see me in my best clothes. Nice. These clothes, on reflection, were absurd, right? (laughs) But at the time, I thought, fucking hell, I am the cock of the walk here. (laughs) I am the king of the school. I have finally made it. I was like the Wolf of Wall Street of my school, right? That's what I thought in my head. So then in the warm-up, we're waiting for the PE teacher to come out, and we're all out there, just warming up. And I found myself, my mate Lawrence was in goal and I was taking little shots at him, like you do just to, you know, warm up. And I found myself next to Alan Hendricks. Alan Hendricks was the best footballer in school and also the hardest kid in the school. (laughs) Those two things very often go hand in hand in most schools, right? Very often overlaps those two roles. He was pretty scary. I'd obviously been in school for five years, but I wasn't good mates with him. But we we're on nodding terms at Nice, best. OK. But I found myself warming up with him. And we're taking shots and we're teeing each other up. So he's flicking them up to me and I'm having a volley and I'm flicking them back to him. And it's kind of mating. He's clapped a couple of my efforts. And I'm thinking, thinking this day just gets better and better. <laughs> it was a spring afternoon. The sun was shining. All the girls were playing netball on the court next to me. I was giving them a little wave. And I'm basically mates with Alan Hendricks, right? Yeah who is a terrifying man. Alan Hendricks is the sort of bloke that when you're at school, when you're like literally in the first year or what kids today would call year seven, yeah, yeah, you're in the changing room and he is basically a man, yeah. right? Yeah. You're like really weedy, you're very childlike and Full he, chest hair, he, he like comes out like, and he's yeah. got like biceps the size of softballs and a six pack yeah. and his voice is like <laughs> that, right? And you're like... Anyway, so I finally, after five years, become mates and we're getting on like a fucking house on fire. And I get a bit cocky because I'm just thinking everything's falling into place in my life. And my mate Lawrence throws the ball out to me and it bounces. And I try because Alan's applauded a couple of my shots. I'm like, fuck this. I'm, I've got the mice touch. Literally everything I hit turns to gold. So I fucking smacked this ball on the half volley, thinking this is going to go top corner, yeah. which would have been out of order anyway, because I was just supposed to be warming up with Lawrence, not humiliating him. It went over the goal, and then it went over the fence, right oh, that enclosed the five-a-side pitch, and out of the school into the street, mm. across the road, and bounced over into the allotment. So it okay. was fucking went yeah. miles, <laughs> right? Ages away, yeah. And Alan Hendricks has gone. I mean, any illusion I had of us being mates immediately crumbled because he went, "You fucking idiot! You, <laughs> went, you fucking idiot! You kicked the ball over." I said, "Yeah, I know." And I looked around for another ball and I couldn't see one. And he went, go and get it. So I went, you're right, okay? And I go to turn and walk off. And then Mr. Kendall comes out, right? Mm. And him and and Alan Hendricks are obviously tight. You know, like in (laughs) a prison, the governor of the prison is always sort of, has a a sort of a weird Weird friendship friendship, with the top boy in the prison. That's what Mr. Kendall and Alan Hendricks were like. They had an understanding. They respected each other as equals. Yeah, yeah. And... I walk away, and they both sort of say in unison, where the fuck are you going? I said, I'm going to get the ball. Uh. Because my intention was to lead the pitch, walk out of the school, walk around in the street, get the ball. Mm. They went, we haven't got time for that. Fucking climb over. Right? Oh,
0: no. And I was like,
1: seriously, and it was a high fence. I'd say it was 12 feet, something Not like that. Oh, that's high, that, yeah. Right? And I go, climb over. And he goes, yeah. And by this stage, all the other lads, including lots of whom are like mates, are all looking at me like, yeah, fucking climb over, Sam. We, we want to get the game started. Nah. You kick the ball. I don't know why no one could conjure another ball. But I've gone, all right, fine. i, I want to play it cool. I don't want to say in front of all of them, oh, I don't want to climb, climb over. over this It's fence. really high. Yeah, yeah. So I go, fine, all right. I'll climb over. So I climb up the fence quite quick. I was quite pleased because I was under a lot of pressure. Everyone's asking, I like, fucking hurry up like that. Yeah. Pressure. I get to the top. I swing one leg over, and because these really baggy, oh, no. tracksuit-y kind of skateboarder shorts, right, they get hooked onto a bit of wire. It was a wire fence. They get hooked quite badly onto the wire. Yeah. So I can't move my leg. I have to un. I have to basically pull the shorts off this wire, and they've come hooked off. But to do that, I need both hands. Shit. I can't do it one-handed. Yeah. And if I take two hands off, I'll Are wobble and fall, fall yeah. From, yeah. A, from a great height. Yeah. But no one can see what the problem is because the hook has happened. It's It's a little hook. They're down on the bottom. They can't see it. And they're going, what are you doing? And I'm just sitting straddling the top of this fence really high up. What the fuck are you doing? I said, I'm stuck. What do you mean you're stuck? And Mr. Kendall's going, really humiliate me in front of everyone. By this stage, all the lads. So there's like 15 lads standing around, all looking up, going, fuck's sake, Sam. And Mr. Kendall, rather than help me out, I said, sir, I'm stuck. My shorts have got caught. Can you come up and help me? (laughs) He went, your shorts got caught. Well, that serves you bloody right, doesn't it? But wearing those stupid shorts to PE, they're completely inappropriate. You look like a wally. He went, and the trainers are inappropriate as well, which is why you probably belted it out in the first place. This is all your fault. You can stay up there. We're getting the game started. He goes, to another go and get another ball from the cupboard, which he could have done in the first place. Someone runs off, gets the ball. I'm not joking. I'm sat on the top of a fence, Right. For the whole hour as they're playing the game, watching from behind the goal, thinking, how will I ever get down? But what makes it worse is all the girls are playing netball and they eventually spot me because I'm like a prized turkey, right? Up on the top of the fence in this outfit. And they're stopping and going, Sam, Sam, what are you doing? What are you doing out there? And I'm going, oh, all right, just watching the game. (laughs) And they're going, why are you watching it right there? I said, good view up here. Why aren't you playing? Injured. I'm trying to say that I was injured, so I decided to change into my kit and then climb up a massive fence to watch my mates play football. At the end of the game, they all go, and I'm going to Mr. Kendall, can you help me down now? And he just laughed, shook his head and went in.
0: And then they all
1: went in. I I was pissed off with everyone, to be honest. I yeah. Mean, take them all to the dickhead island. Yeah. Because yeah. even my mates were like, "No, nah, I don't." It was almost like I'd become toxic. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They right. didn't want to come near they me. They didn't want to know. And yeah. then I got one mate, and he he was a good mate, and I, he still is a mate. And I, he uh he came back. He came back for me. It's nice. like a war story. Nice. Yeah. He, he'd gone in the change room, and then when he came out, Sheldon and changed. I was then like literally the sun was setting and I was thinking well (laughs) what happens I kept once in a while letting go to try and unhook myself but then immediately grabbing on again oh fucking hell I'm going down right and I just didn't know what I was going to do and uh, in the end he came back like a hero Joe Joe Challenge. he comes back climbs up the fence and unhooks me and he went and I went, I'm sorry, mate. And he just stroked like, "Fucking hell, mate." I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. the most embarrassing I, thing I've ever I, seen. I, I, hope you, I hope you understand that I had to come back and do this when everyone else had gone. <laughs> I didn't want to be seen near you. So, oh, my God, and then and then I don't know if we've got time for another because I mean, Mr. Kendall, there was various things like that. I don't think he ever particularly liked me. I wasn't unsporty, but I wasn't particularly sporty And a lot. He was the sort of PE teacher only liked you if you were one of the 11 best players in school. The other most embarrassing incident that happened to me at school, he was also complicit in, which was I used to also really like doing drama Mm. and I really looked forward to it. And one week I turned out and obviously the drama teacher was really nice and a laugh and yeah, quite yeah. fancied her. Yeah. Um, but one week I turned out and she was ill so they'd put Mr. Kendall in charge of Oh, no. Nah. He's like the least appropriate Shit. bloke to be yeah. in charge of drama. It's like, drama? What's this? Mucking about? Yeah. Pretending to be people you're not? It's bloody nonsense, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like... Oh. So I turned up and I was absolutely gutted. But what made it worse was I had a really bad stomach and I'd felt it brewing all day. And I know what the reason was. I can still remember the meal now. The night before, my mum had made me curried mince. I mean, it's disgusting. Oh, she, I think she, we didn't have much in. and She just got some mince and thought, I'll just put curry spices in it. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And it had a bad effect on me. I don't know whether the mince was bad or oh, something. Man. But I remember sitting in this lesson and we were sitting and he was just making us read from a play rather than actually do any like drama and I was like fucking hell and I suddenly thought oh no oh no I'm in trouble you know when your stomach goes Mm. it makes a really weird noise and you're like shit I think I could be in trouble you've got to go yeah and, of course, I don't know what it was like at your school, but I know that a lot of people said, especially back in those days, schools were pretty derelict and yeah. everyone pretty much had a rule that you never did a shit at school. No, <laughs> ever, yeah, ever. no, no, no. For various reasons. Yeah, but nasty just, in there, yeah. You would you'd probably sh- rather yeah. shit your pants yeah. than shit at school. <laughs> yeah. So I've stuck my hand up and said, so I've got to go to the toilet. And he just didn't like me, so he's just being an idiot, going, well, you can wait. <laughs> it's only 20 minutes to the end of the lesson. I said, no, I've got to go now. And he goes, excuse me? You don't get, that sounded like an instruction. No, so you sit where you are. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to shit myself in a drama lesson. And again, there's always the issue of all the girls in there, in your drama lesson. That was another thing. Half the reason being into drama was because it was an opportunity to flirt Yeah, with girls, right? yeah. And these girls who I enjoy flirting with, I thought, they're going to see me shit my pants any second. <laughs> so I just stood up and I, and I walked out. We were in a hall and I just walked out. And he went... Where do you think you are going? And I went, sorry, and kept walking. I went, get back in out. I went, sorry, and I kept walking. I thought he might chase me and pull me back and then things will get really messy. But he didn't. I quickened my pace and got out. I walked all the way down, I walked out of the school, Mm. um, which broke various rules and regulations. I walked down the road, because what I thought was at the bottom of the road on the high street, there was a Pizza Express (laughs) in No. And it was really like it was a smart place. And I thought, I'm gonna shoot you in in a Pizza Express. So I'm walking down the street, and my mate William Gallagher uh, has followed me. Bless him, right? He's come out, and he's chased me because he's thought he's in trouble. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, what's going on? What's going on? Mr. Kendall's going mad. I said, look, I'm going to live with you. I think I'm (laughs) going to shit myself, and that's why I'm walking like this. I'm I'm heading for Pizza (laughs) Express. You can help me out. When we go in, sit at a table and order a Coke. (laughs) Nice. Right? And then say, your mate will be back in a minute. That's great. I said, that's my cover. He goes, all right, I'll do it. So we get into the Pizza Express. He sits down as instructed. I just accelerate into the toilets, And then, I mean, I couldn't believe I'd made it. You have the excitement and the anticipation and the stress and the anxiety. Mm. And it all comes together at once. And it's that fatal thing where when you make it through the door of the toilet, Mm. you relax. And that's the fatal thing. Don't relax until you are in position. I relaxed, and as my trousers were coming halfway down, walking towards the cubicle, it exploded <laughs> no. everywhere. No! Over, over the floor, no. over my trousers. No. Everywhere. The Stop. seat... It was like a oh. fucking massacre, right? <laughs> oh it was God. a massacre. And and I had to spend ages in there trying to cover sort it all it up. Out. There was not enough toilet roll in all three cubicles to sort out what I had done. <laughs> and in the end, I thought, someone's going to come in here and find me. But there was shit all on my trousers and everything. So I just did one. <laughs> I, w- I walked out. I tied my jacket around my waist because there was I hadn't shat my pants, but there was shit all down my trousers. And I went to William Gallagher. Pay for the Coke, we're going. <laughs> right? So he goes, all right. And he just like chucks some money on the table, comes out after me, and he can see what's happening. He's going, I'm going back to school. More or less like, mate, I'm out. I'm not, I can't I've come do far, this I've done everything yeah, yeah, I can yeah. for you. <laughs> By this stage, it's the lunch hour of school. Oh, and in, no. in lunch hour, all the kids were allowed down to the high street. I come out, <laughs> it's lunchtime. I look to my right, and I hear someone, I hear a girl's voice say, Sam. And coming towards me are two girls. One is my ex-girlfriend. The other one is my future girlfriend and a girl I had a crush on. And they're waving to me in the distance and they're sufficiently far away to not be able to smell the shit or see the shit. <laughs> and they're saying, wait for us, right? Meanwhile, I look behind me and I see the staff of Pizza Express hurriedly go into the bathroom because they know something's up. <laughs> no, I yeah. see like, two school kids come in, one goes to the toilet for 10 minutes and then, and leg and then out. just yeah. fuck off. Yeah. So I'm thinking, they're going to come for me any second. And meanwhile, these girls are coming towards me. A 33 bus pulled up in, so- uh, uh, up in front of me. I just fucking jumped on it, got a ticket and went home. Did you- and the girls yeah. were like, what? And as the bus pulled away, I also saw the Pizza Express stuff come out of the toilet looking disgusted and outraged. And it felt great. It felt like a prison break. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I was just disappearing down the street. And I went home, even though it's halfway through the school day, and I called my mum at work. I went, Mum, I've come home, uh, and I didn't ask to, so you're going to have to tell, tell the school and make something up, call them up and make something up. She went, all right, I will. Just out of interest, why did you go home? And I went, because I shat myself. <laughs> and she just went, fair enough, see you later. <laughs> And that was bloody Mr. <laughs> Kendall. Because if, so if he hadn't been such a dickhead, he hadn't been such a bastard, oh, man. I would have made it there in better time. You would have, yeah. So there's two big, significant humiliations in my life, mm. and I feel that he was complicit in both of them. Oh, my God, yeah. And he would not be a nice person to be on a desert island. Yeah, he
0: definitely would He was a formative dick in my life. I'm so glad you got to tell that second story. <laughs> Jesus, that's like something out of a film. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Mr. Kendall's going to be your first choice. Who's going to be second choice?
1: Uh, there was a guy called Archie Buchanan who was my mum's boyfriend when I was about, between the ages of, I think, about nine and 11. Okay. And he was a Scotsman. Mm. He was a milkman. Right. Um, and amongst other various roles. And he was a massive liar and an alcoholic. Okay. And he came to live with us quite out of the blue. I came down one morning... And there was a geezer sat at the kitchen table eating his cornflakes, and it. And I said, "Who's this?" And she said, "This is Archie. He's going to be staying with us for a few days." And I know there's all these cliché jokes about your mum getting off with a milkman, but our milkman actually moved in with us, effectively, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh he sort of looked like a bit like I always say he looks a bit like Ronald McDonald crossed with Terry McDermott, who older listeners might know as <laughs> yeah. a Liverpool fan of the seventies and eighties Liverpool yeah. player of the seventies yeah. and eighties. He had a sort of a curly perm and a moustache, and he was from Edinburgh and he was full of all sorts of different lies, including the lie that he'd played professional football for Hibernian. <laughs> Years later, when I was presenting a show on Talksport, he came up, I brought him up. And I told various stories about him and his various lies that he told us. And and the guy, Paul Altsbury, who I was presenting with said, oh, well, if there's any listeners out there who remember a player called Archie Buchanan of the 70s or 80s playing for Hibernian, give us a call. So everyone went into action, like the hive mind, and it turned out there was an Archie Buchanan who played for Bernie. And I thought, shit, all these Maybe years, me and my brothers thought he was alive. Maybe he wasn't. Turns out he played for them in the early 1930s, <laughs> which then made me think that this guy wasn't called Archie Buchanan at all, and he was an identity Oh, thief, my the God. The sort of guy like who goes to a, a graveyard and chooses an identity. Oh, my God. Which you wouldn't necessarily put past him. But, yeah, Archie Buchanan uh, was not a, a pleasant person to live with. He wasn't an abusive man. No. I mean, he he was he was mean to my brothers who were older than me. And like for instance one night he was on his way home from the chippy and he walked into the pub. He was supposed to be bringing a kebab home for my mum and he walked into the pub on his way home with the kebabs and bumped into my oldest brother and his best mates and came over and insisted on buying them all some whiskies and chatting to them but <laughs> what? he was a drunken aggressive Scotsman and so he soon started being quite aggressive with them oh, and with my brother and when they pushed back a little bit he grabbed the leg of my brother's best mate Lee and and he was wearing shorts and he pulled the leg up to his mouth and took a bite out of it what yeah no yeah. way and then he said to my brother right you're coming home with me and he, he, you know, or things are gonna get worse. So my brother went home with him, and like, gay. And then when they got in, he 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 threw the bag of by now cold kebabs to my mum, and said, "I got your favourite, and I brought your son home with you too. Don't say I didn't do anything for you. I'm just the way to the toilet." And he went up to the toilet and um, never came down again just was like you know fell asleep which is quite standard for him i'm making this sound really depressing yeah it sounds like i have to i have to tell you that you have to paint the picture it's here. funny mm. it's funny to us mm. now and even at the time my brothers i talked to them about it and they were they're all quite they're, i've got three older brothers and they're all there's quite a big gap between me and them and so they were teenagers and they now when they talk about the go it was awful we hated him he was a dickhead but to my mind, he just seemed quite a laugh. I didn't really understand he was an alcoholic. I just thought he often took me to the pub and bought me crisps and apple ties. So, yeah, as a nine-year-old, you're like... Pfft. In the end, the reason he left was because my... Uh, the, my. While he was a milkman, my one of my brothers was a postman. Right. And he would work quite weird shifts at the central West End Central sorting office. And he came home um from his shift around the same time as Archie would come home from his milkman shift and they'd both see each other mid-morning. Right. And my brother came home all the way from from the west end on his motorbike thinking all the way I've got some lovely raspberry ripple ice cream in the freezer that I can have as a treat when I get nice. in. Nice. So he came in and Archie was already there sat in front of the to- in front of the telly. Uh, but his ice cream was missing from the freezer. Oh. So he went in and he said, to so Archie, have you nicked my fucking ice cream? And Archie went, I've no idea what you're talking about, son. you shouldn't make accusations like that unless you've got evidence. And he went, you got... I can see it all in your fucking moustache, you bastard. And then they had a confrontation... Archie punched my brother. My brother grabbed a carving knife, chased him around the house for a bit, <laughs> and in the end he just disappeared and we never saw him again. That was it? Yeah. Wow. So that was the end of that desert island dick. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, uh, my God. Yeah. What about
0: his stuff? Did he have stuff in the house? He just I, I think
1: we never saw him again. Oh, he right. might have had diplomatic yeah. talks with my mother right, yeah. and come and had his stuff or she would have yeah, thrown out yeah, yeah, on yeah. the street or right. whatever. But it's funny because, you know, who knows? I said to my mum once, my mum's now happily married to a man who isn't an alcoholic mm. or a liar and i said to her she has a much nicer life now and i said it's weird i mean he lived for us a couple of years you must have been quite fond of him did you ever think you loved him and she went yeah i suppose i did for a while and i said it's funny how these things end i mean that like it could have been love but it was ended over a dispute over some raspberry ripple <laughs> ice cream that was it yeah. just ended that day that was it a fight yeah. between a postman and a milkman oh, wow yeah oh my god so well, there you go. he's my second dick.
0: Archie Buchanan. As if, I reckon you might be right. He might have walked through a graveyard mm. at home, yeah. saw his name and been like, oh, he played for... Hibs, yeah, and it's just like I'm just gonna nick his identity.
1: Yeah, because he's the sort of he was a dodgy bloke, there was yeah. always some There was he was There's always up to things on. that were nefarious. Yeah. And I can imagine he might have been on the run. Yeah, No one knew the circumstances under which he'd decided to arrive in London yeah. from Edinburgh. Right, uh, yeah. Uh maybe it was a tax situation, I don't know. Mm. But if it on top of that he was a Hibs fan yeah. and he thought, Well, I'll double up, I need a new identity anyway, I might as well choose someone. What would be my dream life? Yeah, Probably playing right, for Hibs. Football, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll find out the name of a dead Hibs player <laughs> and I'll go and live under that identity Nick in London him. and adopt a new family, which <laughs> is what he did. And it succeeded for a couple of years until the Raspberry Ripple incident. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. Archie Buchanan, real name or maybe not. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Simon. Who's going to be a third choice?
1: Third choice, uh, again, tapping into things that happened around the same time in my youth. Mm. There was one night we had a knock at the door my mum answered it, and it was really sad. Actually, it was her mate, hmm. and who she knew from work, who'd had a big falling out of her husband, and I don't know whether things had got violent or what. But she had turned up unannounced in the middle of the night because it was, you know, pre-mobile phones, so you couldn't always get in touch with people. And she had her little son, and they were both very upset. Right. Uh-huh. And my mum knew her a little bit, but my mum was the sort of person we often had waifs and strays stay. And I house because my mum's a very sort of compassionate, caring person, so. Ours would be the sort of house if someone had a problem they'd often come to. So she knocks on doors very late and says, I didn't know where else to go. I don't have any other friends in the area. Can you put me up? We've had to get out of the house. It's it. Oh We're God. finished. Right, and I yeah. brought. And with her, she had a young son. I was about 11. And this kid was probably about eight. And his name was Leighton. And he seemed upset. And my mum said, Leighton's going to be sleeping in your room tonight right. on night like, as a sleeping bag or whatever I right. went alright fine and she took me outside she went be kind to him because obviously he's very upset yeah, yeah. his parents have had a massive row his mum's dragged him out of home in the middle of the night and they effectively run away and I understood that as an 11 year old I had a heart then yeah. some semblance of a heart obviously <laughs> yeah. you know you don't have a massive heart when you're an 11 year old boy but I had some I went yeah okay fair enough I was from a broken home myself so I had some compassion and sympathy um and so for the first couple of days I sort of tolerated him. Yeah. But I'd always been the youngest brother in the house and I didn't know what it was like to have a younger brother. And I bit like Layton was a dick. He was, <laughs> was a little it? he was a little was dickhead. It? He was an arsehole. <laughs> he was antagonistic. He uh, he was obnoxious. Oh, no. He was bratty. And it was one of those situations where he'd suddenly moved in out of the blue onto my territory mm. they were supposed to be staying for a couple of nights it turned into a couple of months and I pretty much had a full time younger brother and what made it worse was any time that he would do it was the classic sort of it'd antagonise you'd be pinching you or something mm. or nicking your ice cream and then when you retaliated my mum his mum and anyone else in attendance <laughs> including my older brothers would go why don't you leave <laughs> late and alone you bully And I'd be like, just because his mum and dad are split up, it doesn't mean that he's not a dick. He's still a dick. One time, me and him were having a little Barney in an argument, and my brothers, in fact, they did this a few times, would relish giving him a free slap. You know when you give someone a free slap? (laughs) Yeah. So they'd go, you're out of order, you're bullying him. I'm not bullying him, he's bullying me. And they'd go, no, you're out of order. Leighton, come and have a free slap on Sam. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? The injustice of it. He started it. No, come on, Leighton, come a and have free a free slap, slap on Sam because he's bigger than you, so it's not fair. So my brothers would hold my hands behind my back and Leighton would give me a free <laughs> slap God, around slap. the face. The humiliation of it. I bet he loved it as well. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. It was a nightmare, these few months that they lived with us. And anyway, the worst thing did was when they finally left, I can't remember, they'd got their own flat sorted or whatever, and I thought, thank fuck for this. And when they left, I saw him take several Star Wars figures out of my toy cupboard. No. And shoved them in his pocket. And there was a lot. I mean, there was Skywalker, Boba Fett. um, Oh, the good ones. Really like some good ones. Yeah, Not not those ones that are just like weird minor characters from the cantina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Leading characters, right? Yeah. And some stormtroopers and all the rest of it and he's going to the door, and my mum's going, come and say goodbye to Leighton, and I've walked in the corridor, and I've just said, Leighton has nicked my style with and she's like, oh, not this again, because it like, the narrative in the house, the narrative in the house has become, Sam's constantly making shit up about Leighton, he's got a problem with him, and I go, they're in his pocket. Look, what do you think that is bulging out of his pocket? Get him to turn his pockets out. He's walking out the house with about a dozen Star Wars figures. Oh, my God. He turns, in the end, they go, They go. all right, or I've like wrestled them out of his pocket. Again, I'm thinking, at last, bang to rights. At last, people will see the truth. You know what my mum says? She went, Sam, you have got loads of Star Wars figures. You've been collecting them for years. You must have dozens through there in that cupboard. Surely you can spare some. That's not how it fucking works. No, no, You're trying to collect no, them all. has got Let's go, oh, Here's some spares, take <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. And he fucking walked out of there with them. No. And I never saw him again, and I'm pleased at that. And listen, I just want to say now, if Leighton went on to have a happy life, then I'm delighted for him. We all make mistakes when we're young. Mm. He was eight years old. He was under a lot of pressure. He was a dick. Yeah. He was a dick then, but I hope... And I believe that he's probably changed and is no longer a thief no, and no. would no longer even accept the offer of a free slap, even if he got one. And so I hope he went on to lead a happy life. But that, at that moment in time, he yeah. was a nemesis in my life and it, and, a di- and one of the biggest dickheads I've ever had oh to spend time God. with.
0: Sam, honestly, these stories are so... I mean, I'm glad you can see them in the funny light. Yeah. It, it, they're amazing. I want to see the series of your childhood.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... I. Sometimes when I say it out loud, like especially like when I'm talking about Archie being alcoholic and biting mm. my brother's best mate's leg and stuff, <laughs> it cool sounds on, yeah. a little bit Ken Loach. Yeah, it does. But it didn't feel like Ken Loach. <laughs> it felt a bit more like you know a carry-on film. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I get that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Leighton's going to be your fair choice. Very good. Thank you very much, Sam. Now, mercifully, among the wreckage of the plane, there's some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. Mm. What are they, and why are they so bad?
1: Food would be soup. Because soup just is any stupid. soup, any soup. A soup's stupid, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a hot bowl of liquid <laughs> that you have to eat with a fucking spoon. Usually a metal spoon. Yeah. If you put a fucking metal spoon into a hot bowl of liquid, that's like a scientific experiment <laughs> yeah. designed to heat up the metal and scold your flesh with. Yeah. So that's stupid. Yeah. If you order soup in a restaurant while everyone else is just getting stuck into their nice, easy to eat food, mm. you're sat there for fucking ages. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I haven't done it for years. When I was younger, sometimes you'd order soup and yeah. then, like, everyone else would be having a good time and you'd be, like, just blowing, <laughs> waiting for the soup to, yeah. like, drop below 100 degrees, which would take 20 minutes. Like by ages. which time everyone else is finished eating, yeah. it comes and chin... And if it's not in a restaurant, it just feels like gruel as well. It yeah. feels like Victorian. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it, it? It's depressing to be eating soup because you kind of think, is this what my life's become? Do you know I'm what? eating hot liquid as a meal? I have, I have it. I think
0: I have it once a year, and it's around mm. sort of autumn time. The yeah. temperature drops, and I think, mm. do you know All what? Soup, yeah. I, I could, last year I couldn't have been wrong. Right, um, last year might have been a mistake. Sorry, yeah. and. Uh, and I was like, I'll have a nice warm in soup. And mm-hmm. then I remember how fucking shit it is.
1: Yeah, it's bullshit. It's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, they'll trick you, Heinz will treat you with adverts where you'll yes. see them oh, as look, soon as it gets cold. Oh, it's like a hug. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> no, it's true. It's rubbish. It's, and, it's, and you have to put loads of bread in it to make it worthwhile. That's the other thing. You're so right about that. Is when you have any good memories of soup, mm. if you have good memories of soup from when you were a kid, Yeah. like your mum making you some soup, some Heinz smite soup when you were a kid. It's never the soup that's the good bit. No. It's that you've got a load of bread and butter. Like half a loaf of bread. a load of yeah. bread, and it, yeah. bread and butter. Bread yeah. and butter mopped in gravy. Yeah. You might as well just have a dish a dish of gravy. Yeah. It'd and be some better. bread and butter. It would be better. And yeah. stop living a yeah. lie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Soup's going to be your food choice and drink choice.
1: Drink choice is any alcohol. I gave up drinking alcohol four years ago. I was going to say beer. And now yeah. I thought, well, really all alcohol. Yeah. Uh, because I look back on on the days when I did drink alcohol and just bad things generally came from it. Mm. And not in a big sort of dramatic way. It's more like, even on a small scale, when I think of having alcohol, if I, I've, ne- I've never really been tempted to have more alcohol because whenever I think of it, you can think of the big dark things, oh, it'll make me depressed or... You know, it'll make me make really bad decisions or it'll make me, you know, or affect my ability to be a father or any of the other big things that did have an impact on my decision to stop drinking. It's just the small things. I just think I just remember feeling low level, slightly nauseous a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Like both. In the evening when I was drinking, and then obviously the morning after, oh, and bad. it was almost like constant low-level nausea that mm. you get used to. Mm. You get full-blown hangovers, of course, and everyone's familiar with that. But actually, it's not until you stop drinking you have a long period of not drinking. For me, it's been four years now, where you just realise how different it is to just wake up clear-headed and energised every time, day. time, yeah. And the idea of having a drink now makes me feel a bit sick. And also, it would make me make bad decisions. I always make bad decisions from alcohol. Me too, yeah. And I just, you know, I'll be on this desert island with Archie and (laughs) Leighton and Mr. Kendall. And if we were on the piss as well, (laughs) it would just make a bad situation (laughs) much, much worse. So I'd just say any booze. Because on a plane, there's going to be loads of those miniatures. And I can imagine, although I've never been tempted to go back to booze, if you were really lonely and and Mm. depressed anyway, which I probably would be because I'm not good being in isolation and there was loads of like mini bottles of like Gordon's gin or Bacardi rum or something Mm. you might be tempted fuck it I'll just take the edge off yeah just do it so I'd rather it wasn't there okay
0: all right yeah okay so alcohol is gonna be drink choice thank you very much fortunately for you you won't be without entertainment on the island the plane's entertainment system continues to work but just your luck it only has two working settings one is your least favorite film of all time and the other is your least favorite song what are they and why
1: my least favourite song, the song that mm. would really drive me mad, would be "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor because it's I, I'm. It's weird that I have such a, a bad reaction whenever I hear this song, but <laughs> it just makes me feel really gloomy and miserable. And the thing is, right? Actually, on the face of it, it's disco music, which is inherently happy and upbeat. Mm. And I am a fan of the, a massive fan of the genre. Right? There are very few cheesy disco songs I don't love. Yeah. but this is one that I really dislike. And also the the lyrics, I suppose, are very empowering. Mm. Because it's about a woman whose man has walked out on them. And at first they thought it was a disaster and it'd never get better. And then they fought back Mm. and they've kind of rebuilt their life. And now the man has crawled back to them. And they're like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Moved on. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great message. Yeah. I've got a suspicion because I shared this with my brothers once, and my my parents split up when I was very young. I think ah. I was like two, two, three, and it would have been the late seventies. And I've got a feeling that that song would have been on the radio a lot, right? And my and it would have spoken to my mother a lot because mm. my dad had walked out on her for another woman, mm. and she was stuck, you know, on a council estate with three, four boys to raise on mm. her own, mm. and it would have been a tough time. And I think that the lyrics of Gloria Gaynor, I think that subliminally from my high chair, Mm. I may have absorbed that song because it would have been on rotation on the radio in that exact era. Yeah. And I will survive whenever I hear it. Although I can look at, sort of step back and think, that's got all the elements of a song that I would usually like. It fills me with immense gloom immediately. Does it? Yeah, immense gloom. If you put it on now, I'd probably stop talking, which you might appreciate. I'd just be like... If it comes really on the radio, are you changing the channel? Oh. Straight yeah. away? Yeah, I mean, like, properly, like, I get depressed for for reasons I can't quite... I mean, I'm analysing You can't put your that. finger on it, I but... I can't quite put my finger on it, but when that song... But maybe. I was afraid, I was petrified. I'd be like, fuck, I'm going to cry. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay.
0: That'd be awful on a desert island. It would, yeah. And uh, what's going to be your film choice? And the film choice
1: is... A film called Rosemary's Baby. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, Roman Polanski horror film yeah. from, I think, the late 60s. I've only seen it once, and it was a film that I watched. I found it so scary and creepy and weird that it probably had the biggest impact on me of any film I've ever seen. <laughs> and I turned to my girlfriend, my now wife, when we watched it together, and I said to her, that's one of the best films I've ever seen. I will never ever watch it ever again because <laughs> really? I found it so fucking. It's so was, harrowing. If you haven't seen it, there is yeah. no other film you can't compare it in my mind to any other scary film there's ever been. No, because it's there's not even big moments in it. That's almost what what makes extra. You don't see anything terrifying. It's all referred to, implied. Yes, and basically it's about. It's about me a Pharaoh getting up the duff by mm. the devil yeah. and then having a devil child. And like, But loads, you never yeah. see the devil and you never see the devil child. But there's something so creepy that I, I you know, again, like I Will Survive, if I think about it mm. or if I see the name of it written down or if I see the poster of it or something like that, because it's often referenced by people, I, I get scared just by thinking about it. Just mm. t- talking to you now, I'm feeling scared. Yeah, it's weird. Because it I've me an suddenly thought theory. about the bit... Where she's having, where the devil impregnates her, so she mm. thinks it's a dream, mm. and I've only seen it once. So I've only got vague memories, but I think you sort of see the devil's claws. You kind of see it back and its
0: claw or something. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. And he's all yeah. hairy. Yeah. Yeah, it's hairy. <laughs> it's hairy. I um, I, I, So actually, um, me and my wife watched it together. Um, this was some years ago and then we moved into where we live now and it's a masonette right mm. so people live above us next to us diagonal we've got people living around us all over the place weird we old moved,
1: couple we're, well we <laughs>
0: moved in and we'd met a few people and it's sort of like you shake hands yeah. but we'd, we'd watch this film and when we moved in I mentioned that to her and she said, she was like never fucking say that again oh,
1: and yeah. it's just like yeah. put the frighteners up yeah like because that. the
0: whole film is set in an apartment and block. it all sort of goes and things and going on next door yeah. it's very claustrophobic
1: yeah. isn't it I know and the, the old couple who they become friendly with who live across the hallway turn out to be Satan worshippers mm. who raise the devil and get him to have it off with, with <laughs> me and Which is a fucking the last thing. You, talk about Nightmare Neighbours. Who thought of this? For, it's ridiculous, isn't it's it? It's a famous novel by an author right. whose name escapes me. He's written various other very famous scary novels. Right, of course it is, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, Rosemary's Baby. Terrifying. Yeah. And finally, Sam, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why?
1: Okay, so I'm going to say badger. Yeah. Um, badgers are really scary and mysterious. I'm gonna just real quick tell you a story about badger. When I, yeah. w- I went to the university at the University of Sussex, which is in a valley, yeah, right, the campus is set in a valley, and in the first year you all lived on the campus, and everyone would, you know, there'd be on either side of the valley there was student accommodation, and in the, and it was said that after dark badgers roamed the valley. And people would tell scary stories nah. about encountering the badgers. Yeah. And you'd often, being students, you'd often find yourself, you know, getting very high, smoking weed mm. in someone's flat mm. or digs. Yeah. And then at the end of the evening, to walk across the valley home to your digs. And um, we'd all get very scared about, you know, encountering a badger. And then yeah. my friend who was half Swedish said that there was a lot of badgers in the rural areas of Sweden and, And they were known that they were very short sighted. So if they saw you, they'd only see you late in the dark. And then they would instinctively attack. They would attack your shin. And they have a vice like grip. And they would just clamp their jaw onto your shin until they heard the bone crack. And then when they heard the crack, they would scuttle off away into the darkness. What? And he said the way in which Swedish farmers protected themselves against this when they were walking home late at night from the pub was they would put rivita down the front of their socks. So then if a badger came up to them and bit them, they would just hear the rivita crack. Is this true? And then run away. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah. And he told us this. And, you know, he, he says it's true. And I've spoken to other Swedes who verified it, right? And um, after that, there was one little shop on the campus and it was perennially sold out of Rive Eater Because no, this, this story every, got around got and all the students were <laughs> yeah. going that's, and buying Rivita to wear as protection in their amazing. socks at night. Oh, my God. And so I've always been suspicious of badgers ever since. Yeah. I've never seen a live badger in the wild. I've seen dead badgers. In fact, I saw one recently, which yeah. was heroin. Up close, and I've seen badgers on TV, but I've never seen a live badger in my Mm. eyes. But again, like Rosemary's Baby, not seeing it almost makes it more it scary. It makes it a bit more scary. Yeah.
0: It's a little hairy beast as well. Yeah, it is. One really quick story. Someone told me a long time ago on this podcast, and I'm not sure if it's 100% true. Badgers burrow deep, right? Mm. I don't know whether it's an urban legend or whatever, that they often will burrow down, claw their way into a coffin, and drag the body no. out and no. eat it. No. Yeah, I'm not kidding. This is what I got told. That is amazing. Well, yeah. in
1: teams or
0: solo? so I I've I've no idea but I was told this, that story this, on this
1: this demands further investigation it does doesn't and it you've just made me even more certain that I picked the right animal yeah
0: Sam this has been great thank you very much for coming in it's been
1: in. a pleasure thanks for having me I
0: imagine people are here because they because um, they already listened to Top Flight Time Machine but yeah. it's fantastic if you don't yeah. listen to it you should listen to it mm. the keen odyssey Is some of the best
1: podcasts I've ever heard. Well, thanks. It's amazing.
0: Do you want to tell people a little bit about it if they haven't heard it? Top
1: Light Time Machine is basically uh, with me and Andy Dawson, who's a writer and an old friend of mine, and you might know him from Atletico Mints by Mortma. This is his side podcast from Atletico Mints, which is not as successful. (laughs) But is nevertheless popular. It's fans love it a lot. Yeah. And it was supposed to be about football. The reason it's called Top Light Time Machine is it was supposed to be us looking back at a different Premier League season every week and reviewing it and, and being nostalgic about it. But then, as it went on, we started going in all different directions. Mm. And if you listen to it now, I would say it's gone from being 90% football, 10% other stuff, to the other way around. It's, a, it's basically two middle-aged men in crisis. <laughs> yeah. Discussing... <laughs> Like the details of the crisis that we all encounter as we get deeper into our 40s. Yeah. Fathers, yeah. middle-aged men, yeah. confused about the modern world and we just sort of treat it as a little bit of therapy between the two of us and once in a while we mention what's going on in the football there's sometimes some Tumson football chat yeah, yeah. yeah oh it's
0: great honestly it is really good it's hilarious um, so definitely check it out if you haven't heard it before
1: Sam if people want to find you on social media etc where can they find uh, you uh, at Delaney Man is me personally yeah. and you can find Top Flight Time Machine search that yeah. on Twitter and Instagram yeah oh well.
0: one last thing You've got, uh, you're doing some live shows Do you, uh, there... we
1: are yeah in September and November we are doing live shows in various different places over the country yeah. there are still some tickets left and if yeah. you go to our website which is topflighttimemachine.com you can see all the tour or on our Twitter you can see all the tour dates and you can also there's, there'll be a link to buy tickets for all of them so right. I think we're doing Manchester Glasgow Newcastle quite a few dates in London and then in November I think we're doing Birmingham Liverpool Brighton Bristol great thank you very much Sam nice one <laughs>